0: Deva was an 8th century Indian Buddhist monk and is among the most renowned and esteemed figures in the entire history of Mahayana Buddhism. His Holiness, the Dalai Lama, comments that the Bodhisattva way of life, his classic treatise, is the primary source of most of the Tibetan Buddhist literature on the cultivation of altruism and the spirit of awakening. And here are a few passages. May beings everywhere who suffer torment in their minds and bodies have by virtue of my merit, joy and happiness in boundless measure. May every being ailing with disease be freed at once from every malady. May every sickness that afflicts the living be holy and forever absent from the world. May those who go in dread have no more fear. May captives be unchained and now set free. And may the weak receive their strength. May living beings help each other in kindness. May travelers upon the road find happiness no matter where they go. And may they gain, without the need of toil, the goals on which they set their hearts.
1: Thank you, Barbara. Good morning. Today I want to talk about happiness. This symbol in the Buddhist religion is the endless knot. As you can see, it intertwines upon itself with no beginning and no end. The unbroken and interwoven cord represents love and a connectedness to all things. Furthermore, it represents the balance of pairs, the intertwining of wisdom and compassion, the mutual dependence of the religious doctrine and secular affairs, the union of wisdom and method. It also represents the inseparability of emptiness and dependent arising, the union of wisdom and compassion of enlightenment. Buddhists believe that we are all tied together, that we are all connected It isn't enough to just seek your own happiness or refrain from impending someone else from seeking their happiness. We need to actively strive to help each other in our search for our own happiness. Perhaps you feel that you don't really have anything in common with the strangers that you're supposed to help along their way to happiness. Well, consider this. As you look around this room... Can you spot a single thing that was not made or provided by someone else? Furthermore, think about your home, your life, your food. Was anything made without the help of someone somewhere in the world? Even your own body and the millions of molecules that it is made up from, they came from your mother and father who came from theirs and so on and so on. This is true for everyone. That in itself is something we all have in common. Our mutual reliance on each other and the fact that we share this amazing planet makes us more interconnected than we realize. The economist Milton Friedman illustrated this, this idea in the context of the economy. Look at this simple pencil. There isn't a single person in the world that could make this pencil by themselves. Sound crazy? Not really. Consider that the wood for this pencil is cedar, which came from the Great Lakes in America. And in order to cut the wood, you need a saw. To make a saw, you need steel. To make steel, you need iron ore. The part in the center, the the part that we call lead, is actually graphite. It was imported from Sri Lanka, mixed with clay and wax. The clay is from southern United States, and the wax is from Mexico. And the metal piece which holds the eraser to the wood, is made of zinc and copper. The zinc is from Canada, and the copper is from Chile. The eraser is made from rubber, which came from the rubber tree in the Congo of Africa, mixed with seed oil from Indonesia and pumice from Italy. The wood is painted in yellow, which comes from a glossy lacquer made of castor oil, which came from a plant grown in India. It literally took thousands of people to get this pencil made and available to you at your local store. And these thousands of people will probably never know or see each other, yet they are all bound by the unity of working towards a common goal. They don't speak the same language or live in the same environment, yet they are dependent on each other. In this modern era, we often think we are self-sufficient and we think of ourselves as individuals, and we often view ourselves as independent, unique, different, and unbound by the actions and decisions of others. But we couldn't be further from the truth. People have had to rely on other people since the beginning of time. And this holds true for relationships as well as things. If you have a job, it's because someone gave it to you. If you have a family, it's because you found a partner. In short, no one does anything alone. There is not a single thing or person in existence that does not depend on others to exist. Even our thoughts are born of others' thoughts. Without language, there is no thought. Someone had to invent language. It is impossible to exist without being connected to the history of humanity. Buddhists say we are connected to all beings, not just humans. On a scientific level, that is clearly true. We are all made up of different combinations of the same building blocks of life. Carbon, nitrogen, hydrogen, oxygen. Therefore, we are quite literally all related. Bill Bryson has a wonderful book called A Short History of Nearly Everything, which goes into great scientific detail on that topic. So now that we all agree that we are truly interconnected, how can we apply that knowledge to our lives and our shared search for happiness? Virtually every religion and spiritual practice has compassion as part of its foundation, and it is truly the key to happiness. In Tibetan Buddhism, compassion is the core tenet and practice. Compassion meditation involves silently repeating certain phrases that express intention to move from judgment to caring, from isolation to connection, from indifference to understanding. Buddhists believe that all beings, and not just humans, have a desire to be happy and deserve to be happy. But what is happiness? For some people, the immediate answer may be wealth, success, beauty, health, but those things are impermanent and fleeting. The Buddhist idea of impermanence says that nothing is forever. You can lose your wealth, health, or success. And those things may bring joy, but joy is not the same as happiness, which must abide regardless of circumstances. It may sound trite, but it is true. Happiness comes from within. Happiness comes from within. And because it does not come from any external thing, it is possible for anyone to attain. Can you think of any one thing or person or situation that unfailingly brings you happiness? Think of all the time and energy you invest concerning the external circumstances and things in your life. Do you spend anywhere near this amount of time and energy on inner activities? How much time do you spend on the spiritual pursuit of such things as prayer, meditation, and reflection? Decide now to try to develop greater happiness and fulfillment through balancing outer activities with inner development. Like happiness, unhappiness does not come from external circumstances either. To demonstrate this, let's recall a year ago when I talked about dependence arising. Here's a quick refresher Three people are walking in the woods and they come upon a snake. The first person is from New York City and has never seen a snake in the wild before so he is scared and unsure about the snake. And the second person is an adventurer and has seen many snakes in his travels, and since he's familiar with snakes, he feels nothing when he sees the snake. And the third person is a herpetologist, and she knows immediately that this is a rare specimen that has never been seen in the wild before. And she is so excited and imagines how this discovery will catapult her to the top of her field so, we have three people in the same place, the same time, and seeing the same snake. Each person believes that the external event, seeing the snake, is the cause of their specific feeling when it is actually their individual perspective that elicited their feelings about the external event. This misconception of thinking can cause problems. In other words, How you deal with your issues is the issue. In general, we tend to focus on the short-term and not think about the long-term consequences of our actions. We place entirely too much value on external, material circumstances while undervaluing or sometimes ignoring our internal cognitive processes. We sometimes focus on narrow self-interest at the expense of a broader worldview. But in order to share happiness and spread it through compassion, you must have it first. And it always starts with gratitude. Here are some things to be grateful for. If you have food in the refrigerator, clothes on your back, a roof over your head, and a place to sleep, you are richer than 75% of the population on this planet. If you own a computer with Internet service, you are part of the 1% In the world who does. If you woke up healthier than you are ill, you are more blessed than the thousands who will not even survive this day. If you have never experienced the fear of battle, the loneliness of imprisonment, the agony of torture, or the pangs of starvation, you are better off than 700 million people in the world. If you can attend a chapel like this one without the fear of harassment, arrest, torture, or death, you are more blessed than 3 billion people in this world. So we are so blessed to have the exceptional good fortune of being where we are. Gratitude is the antidote to all forms of despair, but it requires a shift in our habitual thinking that outside forces are responsible for our inner feelings. Here is a short analytical meditation on the gift of being human that you can practice daily. Think about all living things. There are hundreds of thousands of species, some still unknown to man. Consider how rare it is to be born human, and rare still to be blessed with the time and ability to pursue happiness. Finally, think to yourself, I have an opportunity to learn to practice the techniques of compassion. I am grateful for all my gifts. May I learn to use this to help others be happy. Shifting the focus from yourself to others will create happiness for yourself as well as others. In 2001, researchers at the University of Wisconsin performed a study on happiness. They wanted to determine which parts of the brain fired up when a person was happy. They were able to show that when a person feels happy, their prefrontal cortex lights up with activity. They studied the brain activity of a Buddhist monk who was an experienced meditator, and examined his brain as he did various meditation exercises. And at one point, his brain lit up so brightly that the scientists were shocked. He was doing compassion meditation. The Harvard Business School was able to show that people are happier when they spend money on others rather than on themselves. And the results results were published in Science Magazine. One project wanted to test what things made us the happiest. People were given an app on their phone, and when it alerted them, they would rate their feelings at the moment, whether sad or happy or neutral. Then they would input whatever they were doing at that time. And the data showed that though happiness can be found to some degree when we receive money, gifts, or praise, what made people the happiest was when they were helping others. The evidence is clear, the more we are able to shift our preoccupation from self to others, the happier we will be. We know scientifically that greater happiness comes from love and compassion and helping others. In the Buddhist philosophy, Shantadeva defines love as the wish to give others happiness, while compassion is the wish to help free others from suffering. When the Dalai Lama says, my religion is kindness, he is referring to the love and compassion that is the heart of Buddhist philosophy. Shanti Davis says, whatever joy there is in this world, all comes from desiring others to be happy. And whatever suffering there is in this world, all comes from desiring only myself to be happy. The Dalai Lama said there is nothing about the dynamics of self-absorption or worrying about ourselves too much that tends to magnify our suffering. Conversely, when we see it in, uh, in relation to others' suffering, we begin to recognize that, relatively speaking, it is not all that unbearable. And this enables us to maintain our peace of mind much more easily than if we concentrate on our problems to the exclusion of all else. In other words, we need to remind ourselves that we are part of a bigger picture. We are all interconnected. To combat this tendency, the Buddhist philosophy has developed the practice of tonglen, which essentially means exchanging ourselves for others. Shanti David calls this practice the holy secret. He says, thus, whoever wishes to quickly afford protection to both self and other beings should practice that holy secret, the exchanging of self for others. Before I close, let's just do a brief Tonglin meditation together. So take a deep breath, close your eyes, and Relax. Imagine there are rays of light beaming down on you. And these rays bring love, compassion, and wisdom. And as the light penetrates you, it dissolves away any self centered thoughts and reveals your true inner nature. Some call it our divine nature or the Holy Spirit, Buddhists call it Buddha nature. Visualize your mind and your heart infused with love and compassion towards all beings. Now visualize on your left-hand side an important person for whom you find it easy to experience feelings of love and compassion. This could be your mother, another relative, your mate, partner, a child and allow yourself to feel this connection. Allow yourself to walk in their shoes and experience their anxiety, stress, fear, or uncertainty they may be feeling. And think to yourself, I wish to free this person from whatever suffering they may be experiencing. And hold that person in your mind as vividly as possible. With your next inhalation, visualize breathing their suffering into your heart where the deep love you have for them dissolves their suffering away. As you exhale, imagine that you are beaming a brilliant white light toward them which contains healing, love, peace, and positivity. That ends that meditation. This is a practice that you can also apply to difficult people in your life. Visualize these difficult people in front of you and visualize taking away their suffering, filling them with love and compassion, transforming them so they are no longer suffering. The negative feelings you have toward a difficult person, place, or thing are robbing you of happiness. The only way for you to be happy is if you can let go of the negative feelings you have. Imagine it is possible for you to somehow feel love towards that person, place, or thing. If you can do that, your happiness will return. There are endless opportunities to practice love and compassion. The next time you see someone, smile at them. Reflex action will make them smile back. The simple act of smiling releases dopamine, endorphins, and serotonin, which relaxes the body, lowers heart rate, and blood pressure. This will fill you both with happiness. Remember, you can change the world with your kindness kindness forgiveness, love, compassion, and ethics. If you doubt that a small group of people can change the world, let me remind you of a quote by renowned anthropologist Margaret Mead. Never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed persons can change the world. Indeed, it is the only thing that ever has.
2: just going to stay in that mode. We just think it's important for us just to think of others during a service like this. So just maybe with our eyes closed. Let's just think of all those people that Lexi was mentioning, those people who are hungry, being tortured in prison, in war, near death, who are ill, all those who are less fortunate than ourselves. May our hearts go out to them. May our love go out to them. We pray for our world, our country, our valley here. And we think of those especially who in this little community we're aware of at the moment. We think of Patricia Hill, Will Welsh, Mabel MacDonald, Pat Smith, Molly McCarthy Coleman, Barbara Orcutt, Anne Hodges, Tricia Nichols. Sole Untanara, Lee Boogie, the family of Britt Carlberg, Anne Lindley, who lost her daughter to brain cancer, Sharon Wells, and we give thanks uh, for the family of Alice Davis and the birth of her granddaughter. We offer all these people to you, ask your healing power and love to go to them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.